Gale's open, they're away in the Golden Slipper, there's a great start, and Mick Mitt Basque on the extreme outside is about the first out, Jack Boyle. Jackler on the outside, lunging, but Catlin opening just in front, Jackler trying desperately, can't reach him. Catlin opening has lasted to win the Doncaster by a hit, the Jackler. This Iron podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. Snap Melbourne lockdown forced the rescheduling of many events, including the English Great Southern Sale, which will now be held on July 4th and 5th, with 409 weanlings and 125 brood mares to be offered. Stallions represented in the weanling section include Capitalist, Exceed and Excel, More Than Ready, Zoo Star, Written Tycoon, So You Think, Piero, Extreme Choice, Flying Artie, and Dundeal, just to scratch the surface. First season sires with weanlings in the sale include Justify, Trapeze Artist, Written By and Brave Smash. The Broodmare section will be held on day two and features a mix of proven producers and young mares in full to big name stallions. If you're a buyer who likes to buy a weanling at a realistic price and turn it over the following year at a handsome profit, remember the great Southern sale has been described as a pin hooker's paradise. The new dates again are Sunday, July the 4th and Monday, July the 5th. The 2021 English Great Southern Sale at Oakland's Junction in Melbourne. At age 63, and after 49 years as a professional jockey, Robert Thompson is now riding for enjoyment. He reached the milestone he was seeking on May 3rd, 2014, when he won a benchmark 60 at Newcastle on Lay Down the Law for trainer Pam Webber. Robert was 56 years old when he achieved that astonishing career win tally of 4,000. Seven years on, you can make that 4,447. No jockey in Australian racing history has ridden more winners. Nowadays, Robert rides a little track work at the nearby Cessnock track and he has the occasional race ride for old mates like Rod Northam, Ross Stitt or Jeremy Sylvester. Mind you, in the winter months, he can easily be talked into a guest appearance at places like Cairns or Townsville. Australian racing has never seen a jockey quite like Robert Thompson. Quiet, unassuming, intensely professional, a man of unshakable integrity and lauded for the respect he has for the safety of fellow riders. From an enormous number of race rides in excess of 28,000, he's been suspended only 15 times and the last of them was several years ago at Newcastle. Early in his career, this bloke was approached more than once by top Sydney trainers to move to town, but at that stage of his life, wild horses wouldn't have dragged him out of Cessnock. In fact, the same applies today. Our chat with Robert Thompson happens to be the 300th podcast segment to be posted since our website began three years ago. And Rob, I am delighted that you're able to join me for this milestone podcast. Thanks for your time. It's a pleasure, John. It's lovely to talk to you today. And not surprisingly, you're in Cessnock, where you've been forever. That's that. That's correct. Yeah, John. Yeah, it's a bit cold today, but yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm in Cessnock, where I've been 
all my life. After many years of heavy commitment and huge mileage, you're now enjoying life as a gentleman jockey. Yeah, that's correct, John. I think probably last time I spoke to you a few years ago and all that, I said that uh, I was in the home straight, but I'm probably uh, I'm probably in the final 200 metres at this stage. But with no real idea, no date in the back of your mind. No, John, no, no, no date is definitely set. And um, mm-hmm. as I said, I'm probably in the final 200 metres of the race. Well, you've given us a hint. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you only need a handful of wins now to reach yet another milestone, 4,500. Is that important or doesn't it matter? No, it doesn't matter, John, these days and all that. No, no. As uh, you know, I'm still still enjoying going to the races and have a ride now and then for me mm. mates, and uh, but no, um, four thousand five hundred's a way out of my mind. Mm. You've never been a lightweight jockey, uh, and obviously the gradual increase in the limit weight over the years has been a big help to you. Oh, most definitely, most definitely, John, and all that because. Uh, when I started back off in those early days and all that, you know, you had to ride 44.5 kilos, 45 kilos mm. to claim your three kilos in in town when you went to town and all that, John. And mm. uh, So, uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty hard going back in them days. Mm. You're okay at 55, aren't you, currently? But has it yes. been tougher, Rob, if you're not riding as much as you were? Uh, make it a bit harder? Oh yes, it does, John. Yeah, yeah, sure it does. When you're not riding as regular and and uh, doing a lot of travelling and all that these days, it is a bit tougher and all that, and mm-hmm. especially coming on to winter months as well at mm-hmm. this stage. I recall visiting you at your farm at Cessnock shortly after you won that four thousandth race at Newcastle, and at yes. the time you had, I think you told me, eighty to a hundred head of cattle, mostly Charolais and they were split up over two or three different properties. Uh, that was your interest away from racing. Does that still apply? Yes, it does, John, yeah, yeah. I've only probably only probably got about 50-odd head now, cows and calves, and, uh, mm. but uh, that is, that is my, um, that's my hobby and interest away from racing, yeah. Still, and, I love the cows, and, I've, and as you said, I have Charolais. Yeah, you take them to market too. Yes, 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 I do, John. Yeah, I enjoy doing that. and I enjoy working with them and, and doing all the chores with them. I also remember a stable complex on that property comprising about 40 boxes, a good-looking complex it was too. I think you told me then, though, that training was the furthest thing from your mind. Yeah, it sure sure is, John, and all that. Yeah, that was... That was um, Dad, mum and dad's property there. We had 40, 40 stables there. They were full for a lot of years and uh, and a lot of hard work and all that. But uh, now, now I'm this age and all that. Um, training's a long way from from uh, my mind and all that, John. If I mm. probably would have gave up riding 20, 20, 30 years ago, yeah, yes, yes, I would have had a crack at it and all that. But. Uh, mm. Gee, she's a pretty tough gig these days. Oh, isn't it? What is that stabling complex being used at all, Rob, or is it empty? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's been used and all that. Um, there's dressage horses there and some spelling horses and all of that. So, um, mm. yes, it's getting it's getting um, to good use, John. 
Let's go back to that special day when your 4,000th win came up. It was May 3rd, 2014. It was a benchmark 60 at Newcastle, and you dive between horses to win on a horse called Lay Down the Law for trainer Pam Webber. He was a plain-looking little fella, Rob, but he commands yeah. a prime spot in your scrapbook. Yeah, yeah, that's right, John. Yeah, he was no, he was no oil painting, and uh, <laughs> but he but he was a little trier, and um, and I think it was a little bit soft that day. He liked a bit of soft going, and uh, mm. I'd had a bit of luck on him and run a few placings and all of that. And Pam did a wonderful job with him, and uh, yeah, that day. Uh, he just had a nice little run in the race and we just waited and waited in the last bit. We got a nice little split between them and he poked mm. his head through and away he went for me. Yeah, I don't know where Pam is these days, Rob. She trained a Brisbane yeah. Cup winner a few years ago, Star Covet. Yes, that's correct, yes. Yeah, yeah, she does a pretty good job with them. The only thing missing on that day was the absence of your dad, Arthur, who'd passed away not long before... He'd been one of your greatest supporters as you got close to that 4,000 mark. He really egged you on, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he sure did, John, and all that. And, um, you know, we worked together all, all our lives together. We worked and um, and uh, he was real supportive all the time. Mm. The Newcastle Jockey Club made quite a fuss of uh, your history-making achievement. There was a special presentation after the race and then later in the afternoon it was free drinks at the members' bar and you were actually hoisted onto the bar at one stage. Yeah, that's correct, John. Yeah, I remember that. Um, uh, yeah, Newcastle Jockey Club, um, I still rate it probably, you know, because it's in in – the background, uh, in my background, John, and all mm. that there, um, backyard, Newcastle racetrack, I still rated one of the best tracks that I've rode on, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah and, it was a, and it was a great honour for them to do that for me, and uh, I was mm. very pleased to be able to ride my 4,000th winner there at Newcastle. Mm. The only one that may have uh, exceeded the thrill would have been Cessnock. Yeah, 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 that's it, that's it, right, that's, that's correct, John, yeah. Your your pedigree, Robert, suggested that you were always going to be a jockey. Your grandfather, Norm Collins, was a successful trainer and a slightly built little bloke. Your father, Arthur Thompson, was Norm's foreman and he became a trainer later, while you had two uncles, Norm Jr. and Graham, who were both successful jockeys. You were born into the game. Yeah, that's correct, John. As I always said that, uh, you know, I was born at the stables and uh, I could sort of ride a horse before I could even walk sort of thing. And, uh, mm. yeah, and every year, every I can remember every time my birthday was, I used to be able to get a little um, extra pony, smarter pony to ride and all that. And, uh, mm. yeah, I only ever wanted to do one thing is be a jockey, John. Mm. Well, you've certainly done that, my boy, to the tune of 4,447 winners. Your grandfather must have had friends in high places. The story goes that as his runners paraded at the smaller bush meetings, when there were not too many people about, he'd pop you on their backs in the parade yard. Now, the stewards obviously turned a blind eye. Yeah, I can, I can, I can remember back to them days and all that, John. Yeah, 
went to, you know, places like Denman or Musterbrook or Scone somewhere. Mm. Um, yeah, I'd always, especially if, especially if one of my favourite horses was there racing for the day and all that, and, uh, mm. yeah, Grandfather would leg me leg me up and I'd ride around. That would be leading it, of course, and, uh, yeah, I used to get a thrill out of doing that. You hadn't turned yeah. 15 when you had your first ride in a race. It was a horse called Sunrise Boy, trained by your grandfather. He was at long odds and ran accordingly, finishing a long way back. Which track was that? Yeah, that was that was at Newcastle, John. That mm-hmm. was at Newcastle. Yeah, I was I was lucky enough to be able to leave school when I was fourteen and a half. I got special permission to leave school then, mm-hmm. but uh, I was I was doing a fair bit of track work riding as well and. Uh, the headmaster used to let me go to school at eleven o'clock, so I enjoyed that, John. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so then I got then I got special permission to leave fourteen and a half. The next month, I went to Newcastle and I rode in two barrier trials, and um, I got my ticket. And then, mm. yeah, the following month, I um, started. Uh, I rode in February, and then I rode my first winner in March. Mm. So, Robert, sounds like school days were a bit of a non-event and you, yeah. you'd, you would do a bit of wheeling and dealing, would you, with the teachers on race days? Yeah, yeah, sure sure would do, John. Yeah, there was a couple that used to like a little punt and all that and they used to <laughs> – I'd walk through the door and they'd hand me the form guide, whatever they had. They'd just say, get up the back, Robert, and see what you can do for us. Pick, so, a, uh, pick a winner. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um so I used to get out of a bit of a schoolwork that way as well, John. Mm. You know, I've got such clear recollections of your first winning ride at Wyong in March of 1973. I called the race. It was a little mare yes. called It's Regal, trained by your grandfather in an 1,100-metre intermediate handicap. I think she led all the way. And yes. you were cheered home by a family support group led by your mum, Phyllis, and your grandma Gwen. Now, whenever you rode a winner in those early days, Rob, they were there to offer support, and you could hear them from Gosford. My word, you could, John. I, I, I could always. I'd come home in the car, and I'd say I could hear you all way all the way up the straight. If I was up <laughs> near the lead or something, you you rode the horse harder than me. I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, your but grandma. Oh, they were great, and and, uh, and great, your mum's still great. Yes, great supporters. Now, Rob, your grandmother, I've got to give her a mention, was an yes. unforgettable character. She'd always come and have a yarn with me at the Wyong and Gosford meetings, and she didn't mind a chat, did she? No, no, loved the chat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also remember that she was an inveterate smoker in an era when smoking was fashionable. That's correct. Now, do you remember this funny story from Wyong one day? She's up in the grandstand watching you in a race and the ash from her cigarette is dropping onto a straw hat being worn by the lady (laughs) sitting directly in front of her. That's correct, John, yes. Suddenly all hell broke loose (laughs) when the straw hat caught fire. Yeah. That's right. It sure did. Uh, the poor lady, she went off her head and I think Red Mark Nana just said, oh, bugger it, I, I, I'm on the winner. I want Robert to win and all that. He, he's, he's $5. Go and buy another one. <laughs> she gave her the price of a new hat. Yes, John, yes, she uh, did. Yeah. 
I can still see her. She was a great Carrie. Lovely, lovely lady. Yes, my word. Well, there was plenty for Mum and Nan to cheer about over the next few years, mate, because you didn't stop riding winners for a lot of different stables. No, that's correct. I had wonderful support from a lot, lot of people, and um, and uh, and that's why uh, that's why I've been able to ride so many winners, John. Your first city winner remains clear in my memory on a horse that your granddad had picked up from a Sydney stable. He was called Correct. Semper Prima and he was a big, strong, oh. arrogant horse, wasn't he? My word he was, John, yeah. He was over over seventeen hands high. He mm. was uh he was barred from racing in Sydney mm. and um through one of the trainers in Sydney he was uh, recommended to come to my grandfather mm. and um and uh, Dad always used to tell me the story and all that because my father used to do a lot of work with him. But um, Kensington Livestock dropped him off, yeah. and he said the the float driver said to Dad and all that. He said, "You're chewing off too much. What you can chew here with this bugger and all yeah. that." So, did he, but did uh, he? yeah, but uh, no, grand, grand, I remember grandfather got on him and um, and rode him for for a little while, and then. Uh, and then away he went and all that, John. But we we found out he he was a very smart horse, but he'd cop going to the track two days in a row. But if you tried to line him up three days, that's when he'd bung it on. Really? Yes. Yeah. But uh, we did a lot a lot of bush work with him, and as I said, um, Dad did a lot of work with him, uh, lead, leading him off the pon- off his pony, mm-hmm. and uh, he really enjoyed that, John. But. Uh, yeah, he could gallop. He was he, he was he was a big strong bugger. But uh, mm. I re, I remember that day it was at Ramwick mm. and uh, Joe Buckman led me around. He always used to have to get led to the track and all that. Because when he got mm. barred in Sydney, um, Ronnie Quinton rode him to the barriers one day and he just took charge and galloped back to the enclosure with Ron on him. Oh and, dear, um, yeah. And that's how he got barred. But uh, yeah, I remember. I think he. Drew about twenty four alley did uh, John from the fourteen hundred at Ramwick and mm. encouraged stakes and uh, he had sixty one and a half kilos and I was just I was just a passenger on a, on a runaway train that day I can remember it uh, mm. Dad was Dad was leading me around the enclosure he said this old bugger he said you watch him today he said he knows where he's at he's he's dragged me all around corners and up alleyways oh dear but. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he could really gallop on his day. And his name was Semper Prima, and that was yes. Robert's first winner in the metropolitan area, and the horse was an unforgettable, arrogant pig. <laughs> yes, he was, yeah. He, uh, actually, and then, John, after that, I remember um, we had him in the Gosford Cup one year, and I think he was nearly favourite or second favourite. He jumped out, went across and led. He was a front runner. Mm. He used to go. He got to the winning post and all that, and a dog, jumped out from behind a bus that was parked inside there and he went through the outside fence with me. Oh, good. He crashed through the fence? Yes, yes, he did, yeah, crashed through the fence. And what was the injury count for horse and rider? No, nothing happened to the horse and luckily I jumped up and all that and um, I rode the last winner for grandfather. Yeah, we won the big sprint race on a 50 Mm. to 1 chance, yeah, so. Mm. But that's that's what he was like. He was... uh, he was uh, unpredictable sometimes. I can imagine what you call that dog. 
<laughs> yeah, I wish I would have been able to get hold of it. <laughs> as early as 1976, you got yourself on a very good horse and the horse you still to this day regard as the best you've ridden. You were on the Gold Coast to ride a horse called Americano for your grandfather when you were approached by a trainer and a couple of owners to ride Romantic Dream in a race called the Gemini Stakes. Now, he was a Newcastle-trained horse, Rob, so you knew him well. Yes, yeah, knew him real well and all that, John. As you said, uh, that was right, was at the Gold Coast. Back in them days, John, That's when that was the start of the Winter Carnival in Brisbane. They used to race at the Gold Coast first and then on to Brisbane. Mm. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we'd... Um, Dad and I and Barry Gamer, Barry Gamer's horse, he'd purchased Americano and uh, we took him up for the Prime Minister's Cup. And uh, race morning, Ron Inglebritt and uh, Les and Cole Cook, they were stable next door to us and they, they come racing in because mm-hmm. riders only had to go in at 9.30 back in those days, John. Mm-hmm. And uh, they asked me, did I have a ride in the two-year-old race? And I said, no, I haven't. And they said, oh, we've got a couple in. We've got one by Sostenudo, and he couldn't win a race at Musselbrook or Scone. I knew that horse. And then and we've got Romantic Dream. And Romantic Dream had just run second in the Golden Slipper behind <laughs> the Varchi. <laughs> and they said, uh, you yeah. can, which one? I said, oh, I'd love to ride Romantic Dream. Yeah, good as gold, no problems. You can ride Romantic Dream. Anyway, yeah, yeah, he come out and he bowled it in. Johnny just won as he liked, mm. and that night, that that after the races and all that, was having a barbecue and uh, and uh, Les Cook said to me, he said, "Now we're going on to Brisbane. Now we're going to run in. He's going to run in the size and the Marlborough Stakes. Mm. Um, you can ride him, but Roy Higgins has got to have first option because Roy rode him in the Golden Slipper." Mm-hmm. And um, so I said, fair enough, but I was pretty – I was lucky. I think Roy was almost in his last season of riding, John, and he was dying to win another Melbourne Jockeys Premiership before he'd retired. Mm-hmm. And uh, and every night I'd go to bed and I'd pray that Roy would stay in Melbourne to, to try and ride. <laughs> I bet to, you did. Try and, <laughs> to ride there and all of that and uh mm. fortunate enough for me john uh he did and uh i got the ride on romantic dream up in brisbane and yeah, yeah he was my first group one winner and he won those two group one races up there and in yes, winning yeah and he won the size easily mm. and then went on to the marlborough stakes which the name has changed now i think it's the jj atkins now these yeah. years yep but uh yeah, he carried 57 kilos and uh, he beat a horse called Family Man Run Second. He had 54 and yeah. Surround Run Third. She had 51 and yeah. the margins were about three lengths be three lengths. Yeah, he was a brilliant horse, John. No wonder you say he's the best you've ever ridden. Yes, yeah. He, he's won in five states, one in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide. Johnny Letts won, won the Goodwood on him in Adelaide and um, – and then uh, eventually I got back on him. George Handlin was training him at at, at last mm. time and uh, I won the Lusty Stakes on him in Perth. Mm, group two. Yes. Mm. Well, by 1978, Robert, you were going so well that Tommy Smith sought your services, 
for one of a multiple runners he had in the Group 1 Spring Champion Stakes. He put you on a horse called Just a Steal and you got the job done. Yes, yeah, that's correct, John. Yeah, as you, as you said, he had uh, quite a few runners in the race and lucky enough I got a phone call to ride Just a Steal and uh, he was... He wasn't a he wasn't a champion all that, but he was just a tough bugger. And uh, I remember uh, Ronnie Quinton and Neville Begg, they had the hot favourite in a, a filly called Capillaran. Mm. She'd won about four or five straight, and she was a hot favourite. And uh, and all I can remember, TJ just saying to me, he said, "Just don't give that filly too much start. You be there. He's tough, and you'll run it out." And, yeah, I had him up running second and third all the way, John, and that's what happened. Mm, and he found the line, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he found the line. And actually, mm. um, Tommy run second with a horse called March to Glory and good mate of mine, Peter Losh, he rode March to Glory. Mm. Tommy Smith, I believe, Rob, was one of several trainers to make overtures to you to consider moving to Sydney. Yeah, that's correct. Yes, yeah, he was one of uh, of a few trainers that asked me to go there and all that. But uh, oh, I just you know working working with my family and and being a country boy and all that, John. And uh, I just like the country too much. I love going down to Sydney and ride every weekend or so or mm. during the week. But uh, yeah, no, Cessnock was my place. I like the smell of the gum leaves too much, John. At Cessnock. <laughs> 1982 brought you another Group 1 winner at Royal Randwick when Neville Begg put you on a filly called I Like Diamonds. Now, Ronnie Quinton could have ridden uh, I Like Diamonds, but he preferred the stablemate Veloso and you brought him unstuck. Yeah, that's correct, yeah, yeah. I think Neville had about three or four runners and and I got the ride on I Like Diamonds. As you said, uh, Ronnie rode uh, Veloso. I think he might have been nearly odds on in the race too, John. And uh, mm. but uh, yeah, my filly travelled well all the way up up on the speed. And um, I remember I just got Neville just said have her up, try and give her the run of the race, and and just wait as long as possible. And mm. I waited till we got over the rise. And I remember counting counting to ten, and then give her a good kick in the in the belly. And gee, she give. <laughs> Give me a good kick, Ron, and uh, and uh, yeah, we just held on and we beat below. So, and rumour has it that Ron Quinton had an unsavoury comment to make to you <laughs> as you were pulling up. Yeah, he said, "Hurry up and get back to bloody Cessnock and stay there, will you?" Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me, you were riding a very good horse in the early 1980s, which was trained by your dad, Arthur. Horse's name was My Star Sapphire, who won seven yes. races from 16 starts and then broke down. And two of those wins, Rob, were a Grafton Cup and a Gosford Cup. How far would he have gone? Yes, John. Well, it, it, you know, it's always hard to say when, when they're one of yours or in the stable, your stable and all of that, but he was only one of two horses, I believe, has won the Grafton Cup as a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then the next year later he won the Gosford Cup and all that, but unfortunately broke down and all that. But uh, Ronnie Ronnie Quinton always said to Dad, he said he'll make a 
Caulfield Cup horse, and he said, keep me in mind because he said probably Robert won't be able to ride the weight. And he said, mm-hmm. I'd like to ride him. So, uh, But unfortunately, he never got there, John, but he, he had a lot of potential. Around that time, the early 1980s, there were two prominent Sydney jockeys who were inspirations to young Robert Thompson. You told me this a long time ago. Who were they? Yeah, well, when I first started off and all that, um, Jack Thompson, no relation to me, John, and all mm. that, but he he was he was great inspiration to me and all that. He used to he used to do a lot of riding for my grandfather, mm. but he but he was uh, absolutely wonderful to me because back in those days, John and all that, we didn't have all the videos and all that what you could watch and no. and sit down and all and look 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 what you've done wrong and everything, but he was very good to me. And there's blokes like Norman Munsey and Laurie Billet. Hilton Coat was very good to me when uh, I used to go to the country meetings and uh, Hilton would be there watching watching the races and uh, he, was, mm. he was very good to me also, John. Right. And a couple of others um, a little bit later. Yeah, 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 a little bit later and all that. Pete, Peter say, Cook was one you mentioned yes, to me. Yes, yeah, always say Peter Cook and Wayne Harris were yeah. probably the you know best two jockeys that I've probably rode against, but I'm saying early era and all that, John, but riders today and all that, they're absolutely brilliant and they, could, they, they hold their own anywhere in the world. Mm. You got a big thrill in the mid-1980s when you got yourself on a pony-sized stayer called Reckless Tradition. He stayed well enough, Rob, to win the Mooney Valley Cup with you on board and then he gave you your one and only ride in the Melbourne Cup. That was the one won by At Talak. He ran a very respectable race. Finished seventh, six lengths from the winner. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He was only a plain little fella, John. He was by Reckless. Um, Actually, I, I won his maiden on him at Scone. And then he was trained by a young fella called David Atkins at Maitland. He used to train him on the Maitland golf course. Mm. And, uh, yes, we went to Mooney Valley on Cox Plate Day. That was a year bone crusher beat our Waverley star. And uh, then we came out and won, won the Mooney Valley Cup with him. Mm. And then and then we went on to the Melbourne Cup. And as you said, he won a, he ran a credible race. He ran seventh and... Yeah. Uh, he was just a handicapper, but he could stick on, and uh, yeah. And there was there was only one horse in the race that uh, passed me that year was uh, Kiwi, mm. Kiwi. So uh, yeah, he he ran a good little race. For a bloke who never wanted to go to the city, mm. and for a bloke who couldn't bear the thought of being fenced in, how the hell did you ever handle two years in Hong Kong? How did you get to go there in the first place? Well, just out of out of the blue, uh, Neville Begg rang me one one Sunday afternoon. Um, he was in Hong Kong. He'd been in Hong Kong for a year or so, and then he was able to have a stable jockey. And Neville rang me and and put it to me. He said, "Have a think about it." He said, "Come up, come up for a few weeks and have a look about and." have a few rides there, and um, it just went all from there, John. Um, Mm. Jenny and I went up. We had a look about. um, I'd rate a couple of winners for him, enjoyed it, 
going to be with a wonderful, wonderful man to work mm. with. Mm. And uh, I said, well, this is a great opportunity. I know um, I'd never go to Sydney and ride, but to come to Hong Kong, but uh, to ride against the best and, 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 and to be working with Neville, I thought, well, we'll give it a go. And that's that's what happened, John. Yeah, we went there for two seasons, had two wonderful seasons. And as I said before, working with Neville was an absolute pleasure. You didn't ride a major winner, but you rode your share of winners in the two years. But how yes. did you handle the urban crush? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know, John, and all that. Just even driving the car around and all of that. But anyway, yeah. we 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 got used to it. We got used to it, and uh, we had a nice place to live in. We, we was out out near the racetrack where it was it was a little bit like uh, living in the country, sort of thing, if I could say that. Yeah. And uh, and uh, yeah, we we survived two years anyway. We really thoroughly enjoyed it. A fellow Aussie jockey in Hong Kong at the time was the late, great Johnny Marshall. And great. one night at Happy Valley, you and Jono had an absolute party. Yeah, we sure did. Back in those days, John, they used to uh, uh, race on the Equitrack. They had an Equitrack inside the grass track there at Happy Valley and they mm. used to have a few meetings a season there and uh, – one night, they'd only have six races, but, yeah, one night there, John and I uh, rode the program. We rode three winners each, so uh, we sure did um, hold the Aussie flag pretty well that night. Following the Hong Kong stint, you needed a good win to reboot your career in Australia, and that came along in the shape of a horse called Shasuke in the 1993 Canterbury Guineas. And that means, Rob, that you were the jockey to give Guy Walter his very first Group 1 win. Yeah, that's correct, John. Um, Guy had just taken over the horse from Brian Mayfield-Smith, who'd retired and went to Africa. Um, I did a fair bit of riding for Guy, especially when he came up to Newcastle and these areas, and... Uh, he rang me up and asked me to ride Shasuke. I said, yes, I would. I'd go down and ride him. And uh, he was big, long odds. But, um, but yeah, he, he, he really um, put, him, put Dame into the sword that day. He won, he won yeah. really well. Oh, that was a big win. Yeah. And it, it was a very strong field, Rob, as I recall. He gave them a start yes. and he yes. absolutely swamped them the last 50 metres. Yeah, he sure did. Yeah, he raced back in the field, John, and uh, yeah, and then just from the six hundred meters, he just gradually made ground and ground, and yeah, the la last two hundred meters was very strong, and uh, he mm. won very well, and it was an absolute pleasure to win for Guy, win his first Group One, and uh, I'd rate a lot, as I said, I've rate a lot of winners for him since then, and uh, he was an absolutely pleasure to ride for, and he was a champion trainer. Rob, we'll just pause for a moment to clear a commitment on the podcast. Back with Robert Thompson after this. From July the 1st, 10 race programs will become the norm at Sydney's Saturday race meetings. This is the result of the introduction of midway races 
for horses trained in the smaller metro and provincial stables. Midway races will carry $100,000 in prize money, as will the Tab Highways up from $75,000, while normal Saturday races will go to $130,000. Country Sky 1 races will go to $24,000, Sky 2 races to $15,000, and Country Non-Tab to $10,000. Another 20 meetings will be added to the Country Showcase Series, where minimum stakes will be $30,000. Feature races to receive a prize money boost are the Epsom to 1.5 million and the time-honoured Villiers goes from 250 to 750,000. The English sales this year have produced unbelievable figures at both ends of the market, a clear indicator that many new owners are coming into the industry as individuals, as members of smaller ownership groups or as members of larger syndicates formed by recognised syndication companies. You don't have to own winks to cover all X's and to have a lot of fun in town, on the provincials or on the country circuit. There's never been a better time to go racing in New South Wales. Talking to Robert Thompson about his association with the late Guy Walter. Guy puts you on regularly, Rob, uh, in the years after Shaskay won the Canterbury Guineas. I seem to recall your riding Tie the Knot one day early in his career. Yeah, I, I actually did, John. Um, when he was an early three-year-old, Actually, he was going to – he'd won a race. He'd won a maiden race, I think, and Guy was going to bring him to Newcastle for Class 1 over 1,600. And uh, he rang me and to ride him. I said, yes, I would, and then found out a day or so later that he was going to get a lot of weight. And he decided – he also had him in at Rose Hill that day as well, the same day. He said, I might run him there. It's only 1,200 metres, way too short for him. But, well, I said, actually, I can go to uh, Rose Hill and ride that day. I'll ride mm. him for you, which I did. And, geez, he ran a race and a half, John. Uh, Adam Adam, Adam won the race, and um, he, he was back running second last and last. He come from 14th or 15th from the 600. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he broke 33 for his last 600, and mm. I think he ran third. He ran third mm. or fourth anyway, not far away from him, and 50 yards past the post he was in front and all that. And mm. I remember come back to Guy and he said, what do you think of him? I said, gee, Guy, you have got a good horse here? He said, yeah, we think so. We're going to set him for mm. all those good three-year-old races. I said, you go straight ahead with it and all that. And Unfortunately, I couldn't get my leg back across him, John. But uh, <laughs> no. but he was he he was he was one of the best horse I ever rode. Not to win on, of course, but uh, yeah, 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 he 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 was a great horse. Yeah, there was a long queue to ride tie the knot. Uh, by that stage of his career, and two of the people in the queue were Dee Beadman and Shane Dye, so he had some pretty strong yes. opposition. Yes, yeah, yeah. I know. I always knew that 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 horse would make the grade. Well, you were spot on, mate. He won six million dollars. Yes, that's right. My word, he was a champion. In the mid nineteen nineties, you got yourself on a very fast Newcastle horse called Moss Rocket. You won six races on him, including three Group Twos and two Group Threes, and you ran third in a Newmarket and second in a Moya Stakes. He had no luck in the Moya. No, no, no. He, he, very good sprinter, John, that horse. Um, 
big chested horse, very strong. Um, he had no luck in the Moya. Unfortunately, I drew outside of Aussie Cozzy and she just couldn't take the first corner and she run me right off the track. Mm. And uh, and I think uh, no risk if I would have been able to draw inside of her and all of that, he would have won the race that mm. day. And he was trained by Burnsy. Yeah, Kevin Burns at Newcastle. Um, and David Atkins used to do a lot of work with him, riding work and uh, also. But, uh, mm. yeah, Kevin Kevin looked after him and, uh, yeah, he was a very top-class sprinter in his day. You've never had a better supporter than Tari trainer Ross Ditt, for whom you still have a few rides. Now, around 2007-2008, Ross came up with a very talented filly, called Heavenly Glow. Uh, you were the jockey, and after five North Coast wins, you said to Ross one day, this filly really needs to go to Sydney. Yes, that was correct, um, John. After after those wins up there, and uh, we think maybe the last one was a big uh, fillies and mares race at Port Macquarie and all that. I said, mm. you bet, yeah, I said to Ross, I said, She's too good to be racing up here. She's she's got to get to Sydney. You can't be taking her down every Saturday, sort of thing. I said you should send her to Sydney and give her a chance there. And uh, I think I wrote I moderator at uh, Rose Hill, and she ran a slashing race, John, and uh, and then he left her with um, Alan Denham. Mm-hmm. And she went on to win an Arrowfield Stud Stakes Group One, and yes. Australian Oaks at Randwick. Group one, she won the Doombin Roses group three. She ran third in the Queensland Oaks, and that was her last run, Rob. Uh, yeah, she, what happened? She, did she have a problem? Yeah, yeah, she did, John. Um, she she won the Arrowfield very well, convincingly, bolted in actually. I hardly moved on her, and then she went on and uh, she was very tough in the AJC Oaks uh, for me, and uh, she won that quite well. And up to Brisbane we went, and uh, she won the dollars. And then uh, she ran a very good race in the Oaks. Only just got beaten, and uh, and then unfortunately she she broke down. John, yeah, she broke down in a knee, mm, and finished up in a broodmare sale. Yes, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. I think Nathan Tinkler bought her off. Uh, bought her off Ross. Yes. Mm. Your wife, Jenny, knew what a racehorse looked like long before she married you. Jenny's dad, the late Bob Dorban, was a long-time and very respected stipendiary steward before going into an administrative role with the Newcastle Jockey Club. I take it you and Jenny met at the races. Uh, yes, 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 John, and also also at my sister's wedding and all that. But, mm. uh, yeah... Um, Jenny's father was a very highly regarded chief steward in the area. Very tough. I'm glad I wasn't riding when he was a, when he was chief steward, John. <laughs> I reckon. But uh, but uh, anyway, uh, yes. And uh, yeah, we've been married 40 years. And got uh, we had two sons, and we got three lovely grandchildren. Right now, the two boys are Simon and Brent. The last yes. time I spoke to you, Simon was actually working in a racing stable. Yes, yes, he married Neil Godbold's daughter, Alison, up at, uh, at Port Macquarie. They live mm. at Port Macquarie, and, and Simon is stable foreman there. 
mm-hmm. and uh, and young Brent, oh, he's the youngest of the two. Um, he he doesn't mind the horses, but uh, he he works in the coal mines, John. Mm, he keeps an eye on what you're doing, though. Uh, yes, 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 and he has a little interest in a couple of horses that uh, that Jeremy trains. I can still see your late father-in-law working as a steward at Wyong and Gosford races way back, and he used the biggest pair of binoculars, Rob, I've ever seen. I think he told me once they were, he called them naval glasses, which were a carryover from World War II. Yes, that's correct. He said he could see the jockeys changing their minds. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, they were, they were massive glasses, weren't they? Okay. But, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, very, very good stewards. Bob, Bob Charlie always t- used to tell me and all that, John, that he was one of the best stewards that uh, that he'd seen and all that. He said, uh, "Your father-in-law, he could, uh, he could, he could read a race of even out, even not looking at the videos." Mm, oh no, he was very good and highly regarded. Yes. Rob, you formed a deep attachment to northern Queensland racing in later years. You've been a regular at the famous Cairns Amateurs, and I've lost count of the number of Cairns Cup winners you've ridden. But it's got to be a record. You're a New South Welshman, but who could possibly have ridden more than six Cairns Cup winners? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I'll probably probably hold the record there, John. I guess because uh, I uh, I go up and I ride for Janelle and Ron Ryan a lot, mm. which I've known known Ronnie for oh, thirty odd years or more. And mm. uh, he used to be the champion jockey up there for years and years. And he he told me that he's never rode six six Cairns Cup winners, mm. but it's always. Always enjoy going up there in the winter time. A lot of friends up there, John, and mm. uh, I get great support. and uh, And uh, it's always a pleasure to go up there. A connection made with the North Queensland trainer led you to a surprise winner at Doombin last year. It was a race for horses trained in country Queensland, and Alex Malif from Mariba uh, gave you a shout to ride a horse called Paniagua. I think he'd won seven straight coming into the race. Yeah, that, that that's correct, John. Um, I'd never I'd, I'd never rode the horse before and all that, but uh, he asked uh, Ronnie Ryan, Ronnie Ryan, uh, when this horse was getting ready for the, for that country race in Brisbane. In Brisbane, that's mm. right. Yeah, in Brisbane, he said, "Do you think Robert had come and ride him?" He said, "Yeah, bloody yeah, I'll, I'll ring him up." And Ronnie <laughs> rang me, and he said, "Get yourself up there and ride that horse." He said, "It'll win," and uh, uh-huh. and uh, he was spot on, Ronnie. Yes, mm. we went up there, and uh, he he won, John. Yes, but you I rode also, him. but before that, John, I yeah. um, I had a bit of luck. I I picked up the ride on a horse called the Aravian mm. in the Townsville Cup, and uh, and. Uh, he won, and then we went on to Cairns. He won the Cairns Cup then, mm. and then I won the Amateur Cup on him. He won the Grand Slam, they called it. Mm. He's the only horse that ever done it up there, and uh, mm. he got a $300,000 bonus, and uh, mm. that horse ended up winning 10 or 11 straight. He went to Brisbane, and mm. uh, he's won in, won in Brisbane, Brisbane 
since then as well. Mm, he's, probably, he's probably the best horse that I've ever rode up in Cairns. Yeah. So he felt like yes. a potential stakes horse when you were riding him. Yes, yeah, big strong horse by Fastnet Rock. Mm. And uh and uh he's he's proved his weight in gold when he's gone to Brisbane. Yeah, well he's now with Toby and Trent Edmonds on the Gold Coast. Correct, yes, yes, and they've done a wonderful job with him. They've won races with him and uh he even went to Melbourne running that all stars race and all that, John and run a very credible race. Mm. Well, <clears throat> I followed your career very closely, Rob since calling your first win at Wyong in 1973. You realise it'll soon be 50 years, don't you? Yes, yes, I do, John, yeah, yeah, for sure. Don't know where it's gone to. Uh, it's flown by. I, I get the very distinct feeling that you wouldn't change a single thing about your life. Not not for one moment, John, not for one moment. If I could do it all again tomorrow, I'd, that's what I'd be doing. I think the esteem in which you're held by the Australian racing industry was recognised last year when you were inducted into the Australian Racing Hall of Fame. Well-deserved and well-earned, Robert Thompson. Yeah, got a, got a big surprise and I've probably got to say, John, it's probably the biggest race that I've won, John, when I, when I was <laughs> inducted into the Hall of Fame and, uh, yeah, it was a great honour. And an even greater honour was to share the stage with the one and only Miracle Mal Johnston. Yeah, that's correct. That's right. Yeah. The real char- character, that fella. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, Robert, we'll conclude our podcast. Lovely to chat. Thanks for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure, John. One of the all-time greats, Robert Thompson, no jockey in Australian racing history has ridden more winners. And uh, Robert joined us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. <laughs>